You know, I actually uh, really appreciate the Advent series uh, more and more. In a, in a sense, I don't know what it is. I, Advent is, you know, in preparation and the celebration for the Christ's birth and also for his second coming, you know. And I realize uh, just how easy it is sometimes for me to forget things, forget, and to not be able to, <clears throat> to just be so caught up in my day-to-day, right? And I, I think the series in Advent points out for me a reminder of a few things, you know. I don't know if you guys, and this probably dates me, um, but I remember in elementary school, uh, a little bit at least, um, <clears throat> that we used to do these, uh, I remember doing a time capsule. I don't know if you guys know what that is. You take something that's like what's important, and then you put it into this, you dig it in, uh, and later on, 20 years down the road, somehow that you open it up. But I think we did that, but I never dug it up. So I don't know what, what exactly I put in there. But, um, but, you know, after all this time, I forget. You know, after all this time, I forget what's there. And you've heard of letters. I mean, I even read a letter that I wrote to my dad, you know, 20 plus years ago. And I'm just like, wow, I'm this number one poor grammar. And just, and just what am I talking about, you know? Uh, but this idea of Advent of, of in preparation and celebration and reminder is one that, that really stands out to me, you know? And more and more, the older I get, it really just is a reminder and a, a needed step a needed phase, a needed rhythm in my life to help me and just to, <clears throat> in my walk with God. Likewise, I know there's a, you know, a, like a, <clears throat> I want to kind of let you guys know, as, as we've been preparing, as I've been preparing too, of what are these rhythms and what helps us in not just the Advent, but also in our lives of the new year. One of the things that we're organizing, and I want to say, say save the date for the whole church, and that's Stepping Stone Plus Grace Life is a retreat in the in the winter so we're really thinking we're getting things together of having it the first or second week of february we're putting things together of a whole church-wide retreat part of it is just kind of thinking through what's good for the students also what's good for where we are at grace life but just the time as we start the new year what does that look like to devote to spend time with god and to kind of you know offer up and really put together, this is what I want to do with you, Lord, right? And that is the same kind of rhythms that I've been thinking a lot about, just like Advent, just like the retreat. Hopefully it'll be helpful, and that's just kind of a save the date. You'll get more information this next week about that. So it's going to be probably the first or second weekend of February, right? So as we go through this, this is something that really stands out to me. We're going to go through uh, the first Christmas Carol um, sermon series, and today it's going to be on Zachariah's song of praise, right? So Zachariah is the father of John the Baptist. And so we're going to go have a little background on him. But this is first we're going to read through what he says, and then we're going to talk about it, all right, as, as ways to, of Advent, the first Christmas carol. Okay, let me see. Jenny is not working yet. <laughs> Oh, here we go. Okay, here we go. Sorry. <clears throat> His father, Zechariah, uh, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. This is Luke 1, verses 67 onwards to 80. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, 
salvation from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant the oath he swore to our father abraham to rescue us from the hand of our hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days and you my child will be called a prophet of the most high for you will go on before the lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of the death to guide our feet in the path of peace. All right, it goes on a little bit longer, but <clears throat> we're going to stop right here in the, in the Zacharias Song of Praise and just hopefully that's three reminders for us, you know, as we're talking about Advent, as we're kind of moving through our rhythms in our life is why is it important? What does it show us? Secondly, rescued from what? And three questions. And lastly, moving to what? Moving towards what, right? The first thing is, why is it important? You know, I think oftentimes, in, as we think about Advent, as we think about this, we oftentimes just read a passage like this, at least I do, and sometimes I could forget. Forget the impact that it makes in my life, in our lives, and what that really means. When he, Zechariah, when he <coughs> sings a song, when he is filled with the Holy Spirit and is <clears throat> prophesying, he says this. He says, because he has come to his people, right? This is about the Messiah, because he has come, about God of Israel coming to his people. All right? And I think this is such a big reminder, because oftentimes we think, oh, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to come to relationship with God? Or what do I need to do to set aside things or to you know, live my life, and many times it could just fall into kind of a, a checklist, you know, perhaps living in, you know, we're not going to ever say it of, oh, I'm going to, it's <clears throat> kind of doing good things and expecting God to do good things back, but this is a reminder that God reveals himself, that he comes to us, right, that it's not so much of what we do, but rather what he has done, what he is doing, All right, in First John Chapter 5, verse 20, it says this, we, also, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Right, that God has come to reveal himself. Why? So that we may know who he is and know that he is true. Right, that he is <clears throat> coming before and reaching out to you, to me. You know, it's not so much of what we have to do and all this other stuff, but part of it is when we see that he has come before us, that he is reaching out, that he wants us to come to know him, that he has revealed himself not just to us individually, but to, this whole, to the whole world, that this is this <clears throat> the redemptive story. Right? And not only is he doing that of revealing himself so that we may know him, that we may see him tangibly, understand who he is, but also to redeem them. Right? He has come to his people and redeemed them. You know, <clears throat> just even that phrase, especially in Advent, especially as we are in preparation and celebration of Jesus' birth and even his second coming, this idea of knowing and remembering he has come and he has redeemed 
right? He has brought together, restored what was broken. This idea of the cross in our lives, what does that mean? Of just, not just a, a idea, not just something we know, but how does that impact our lives on a day-to-day basis? How does that change even how we perceive what life is about? This is why I, I've, I've been appreciating Advent more and more. The older I get, the more sometimes I can lost in my, the busyness of life or <clears throat> just everything that's coming together that has to be taken care of. Even one of the, <clears throat> we are in a men's breakfast, we're doing this workbook, and one of the questions that it says is spend 30 minutes pondering and just kind of praying and kind of spending that time with God. And the first five, 10 minutes, I was saying, you know, all these things just keep on flooding. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, don't forget this. And even as I come here, I remember uh, Larry left some gifts at our home for the other leadership team, and I forgot to bring them, right? Of just how easy it is to just forget things or have tasks to do. But rather, for such an important aspect of our life that he has come and redeemed, allowed us to have a relationship, what does that mean today, tomorrow? How does that impact our lives? Because what he says in this part is actually <clears throat> stands out to me, that he has come, he has redeemed, and why is it important? Is that he is, <clears throat> he is a, a promiser that his words never fail, right? You see in this Zechariah, as he speaks of this, he says, the house of his servant David. He said through his holy prophets long ago. You see that these are prophecies, things of, that he speaks into lineage, speaks into who Jesus is, right? And why? Because of God's holy, his, remembering his holy covenant, an oath he swore to our father Abraham. You know, <clears throat> all this, why is it happening? It is because of who God is and not anything else. I love this passage in Isaiah 55, verses 10 to 12. It talks about his promises and his words. It says this, Isaiah says this, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return a song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. You know, as he come, as he has come, reveals himself, as he has redeemed, all of this is built on his promises, his words, his words that never return empty, his words that achieve the purpose for which he sent it. Right? It's interesting in this, in this, as we look at this song, to just take a step back and think about who the author is, right? What, is Zachari- what did Zechariah go through for him to understand this, for him to prophesize with the Spirit in this, right? <clears throat> I'm just going to, there's so many passages, I'm just going to highlight a few. So what happens is he is working, he is chosen by lot, right, by chance, but it's appointed by God, really, to work in the temple. At that time, there's 
there's uh, all these priests that are divided up and only every so often, and it's very rare to be able to work in the temple, right? To, to help with the offering. And it says that he goes in there for the incense. And as he's in there... Zachariah was righteous and faithful, right? But it says here that he was in there, and this is what happens. And he says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, this is in the temple, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And it goes on and says, Zachariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the, the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Right, he sings a song actually at the very end when John is actually born and it, when he's naming his child, right? The song of praise that we were just reading earlier is after his son is born, they give him the name John and then suddenly he's able to speak. And these are one of the first words that come out of his mouth, his praise. But you see the importance, and I want to drive this, of the importance of his word and his promises never returning empty. You know, the season of Advent, I think that oftentimes we could think, God, what did you say? Or who are you? And are you still here? Do you hear me? All this other, the questions that we have are what we wrestle with. But what we see in this passage, why it's important, is that his words will never return empty. And in that way, his sending his son to, be, to reveal himself, to redeem us, is all part from his promise and who he is. And likewise, that is a reminder for us of the promises, the words that he has spoken to you, to me, will never return empty. Even though, even though we might feel like it's not being answered right now. You have to know that when he, <clears throat> what he says earlier is that how can I be sure of this? That this is a prayer that they've been praying for many years, perhaps. That he is old and his wife is well along in years. Right? Likewise, this promise, this song of praise, speaks of his son and the Messiah 30 years before they ever, anything ever happens. Right? He speaks of this promise. He speaks of John's life, John the Baptist. And yet he knows that it's not happening right now in this instant. But that encouragement, hopefully to each one of us, is that God's promises will never return empty. His words will always fulfill the purpose that God designed it to. Why is it important? His promises, and as he sings a song of praise, it's a reminder for us of his words 
that will always be true. Notice the second part of this reminder for us as we look into his song of praise. So notice what Zachariah says about rescued from what? He says that he raised up a horn of salvation for us. That means a victor, someone that in Old Testament, when, or yeah, in Old Testament this time, the horn of salvation is a, someone that's strong, that creates victory. And that is, you know, a person that will give them salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To the people that, you have to remember that they are already under Roman like leadership. They, are, they were looking for a king that will take them out of this oppression, right? That this word as is prophesied to them and they hear it as they know it, is that they sense it. They sense being oppressed, living under other rule, not by themselves, not independently. When they hear that into what? To rescue us from the hand of our enemies, and this <clears throat> for John, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. To shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. You know, <clears throat> when, we, when I see this and I think about Advent, one of the biggest things for us to not just know, because I think, like I said, these first two points, many times we know but how does it impact our lives? This idea of the, for John, when he speaks of to the people, the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. And my point is simple here, and I think this is true for many of us. To the degree that we understand our forgiven life is often the degree we practice our practice of a forgiving life. It's often the degree we practice a forgiving life. How much we understand how our life has been forgiven is often the degree we practice a forgiving life. Those who have wronged us, those who have hurt us, those who have upset us, whatever it might be, is that we have done the same to God. And when we see in Advent and in our lives of remembrance, it is a remembering that He has come to deliver us and to restore in us. Why our brokenness in sin? <clears throat> That's straightforward as a second point. And I don't want to spend too much because I think we know it, but yet at this, I want to bring out, what does that look like to live it? To live in the idea that our sin has been washed away and that our lives have been forgiven but not just so that we live whatever and do whatever we want. In the song of praise, he says, to what purpose? To what? Right? <clears throat> what does he say here specifically? To enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. It's not just to, to rescue them from their enemies or to give them salvation. That is true. But it's also to enable them, to enable them to serve without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. 
And oftentimes we just, we think only about, okay, how much I've been forgiven. God, you forgive my sins. But we don't talk about the second, how we forgive others and live that out. Or third, how that actually empowers us to serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Earlier on, it says about Zachariah and his wife, Elizabeth, that they were righteous, they were faithful. But you see that even in their life, that their prayer, as they wrestled with God, that he says that God heard their prayers, that they didn't have a child earlier on. And it says at the very end that God has redeemed us, has taken away their shame. It wasn't that they did something wrong, and that's why that they're punished, but rather that they're God's timing and his place. That John the Baptist, born to Zechariah and Elizabeth, were in the same time period. You know, if it was many years earlier when they're perhaps young, may not have overlapped the way that it did John the Baptist with Jesus. Right? And where, Elizabeth, where Mary comes to Elizabeth and the, the baby in her stomach jumps with joy because both of them were at the same time pregnant. That timing that both were pregnant at the same time is one that speaks to his word and his promise that never fails as his appointed time and purpose. And in doing so, their lives shaped in so many ways, I would say shaped the life of John the Baptist. Right, in ways for us, even as we think about what does that look like for us to sh to serve Him, is this is that <clears throat> to guide our feet into the path of peace. I'm going to le leave that for now, but it is this when for Zechariah first is that when Zechariah he was silent when he met the angel of the Lord in the temple. He he was supposed to be silent and not to be able to speak. Why? Because he didn't believe the words of the angel. Right? He was already surprised that an angel appeared out of nowhere, but he didn't believe it. You would think that if some angel appeared before you and said, this is what happened, you'll be like, uh, I'm not sure. Then you'll be like, oh, okay. But he did not believe in it. <clears throat> and in that way, it shows us even in our mistakes, even where we are, that God redeems, restores, and uses Right? It will come true at their appointed time. But what it stands out to me is that as it continues in the story for Zacharias, when he came out of the temple, he could not speak to people, right? Because he was, the angel said he could not speak until the baby is born. They realized he had a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. You got to think about this. I, I, for me, I've, in the past couple years, I started to experience these times where I'm coughing and you see me lose my voice. And thankfully, it's only for a couple weeks, right? And I could still somehow get some, you know, voice out to speak or to say something. But imagine what, uh, what Zachariah is going to, unable to speak for months, right? Imagine what he's, but what really stands out is this. When his time of service was complete, he returned home. After this, his wife, became, Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. And this is what I said earlier. The Lord has done this for me, she said to Elizabeth. In these days, he has shown his favor and take away, taken away my disgrace among the people. Right, what's important, I want to stand out in this particular story and how it ties into the author, into this whole song of praise, 
is that he takes this time. They both take this time in seclusion, in pondering, in wondering, in wrestling, in speaking, perhaps not speaking in words, but of what God is doing, who God is, preparing them even, I would say, to be a parent. The promises and the words that God speaks, sometimes when we, <clears throat> when we take them lightly, we just forget, or it might not be these milestones in our lives may just be forgotten rather than to be really treasured, to be thought over, to be pondered over. It says that right afterwards, like when they made these signs to his father, trying to figure out the baby's name after Elizabeth gives birth, as, it, as we continue on, to find out what he would like to name the child, they asked the father. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Right? I have so many attachments to this, just even that phrase, of just knowing that your father gives you a name. Right? Your father, for those who are parents, you pick out the name of your child. And for them, they were expecting him to be named Zechariah, perhaps, or some other person, but not necessarily John. But he says his name is John. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wonder, wondered about it, asking what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Right. Throughout all this time, what he, was, <clears throat> what he was wrestling with him and his wife Elizabeth, that he was set free, he praised God, and all we can do is kind of assume, because it's not stated specifically. Right. Most scholars actually think that John, uh, uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth died uh, when John the Baptist was probably pretty young, right? But I want to say I still believe that they made, they as parents made an influence into John the Baptist's life, right? In the very end of what we said about the <clears throat> passage, it says, and the child, as John the Baptist, grew and became strong in spirit. He lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel, Right, here we just see this, that he, was, he grew, he became strong in the spirit, lived in the wilderness. I'm going to tie this to Mark real quick as, as it just kind of gives you an idea. Right? <clears throat> in Mark 1, it says, I will send, this is Isaiah's prophecy, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, that's right, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Israel, of Jerusalem, went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. I don't know about the wilderness part, the wild, the, the camel's hair, the leather belt, but you see what he was doing. He was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. I would think and I believe of just Zechariah and Elizabeth knowing that message from God, knowing that in what they were wrestling with in the five months 
that they were in seclusion, that they were kind of <clears throat> what God, the angels spoke to them about, what this whole thing, the prophesying, what they prophesied right after the birth, is that that must have impacted John the Baptist as he was a child somehow. Either it was written down, I don't know what actually happened, but I would think that they made an effort to let John know, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what God has purposed. This is how he created you. They were working in alignment with how God has called John's life. And in that way, I think for them as a picture of it, were enabled to serve without fear in holiness and righteousness, knowing that, you know what? They were, Zechariah was serving in the temple faithfully, even though he did not perhaps have a child at that time, even though he was old in age, perhaps not receiving what he wanted, what he prayed for. That it says, as he concludes later on, and he says that you my child will be called a prophet of the Most High. Knowing that he will go on before the Lord, prepare the way for him, and to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. It is this that he has called us, that he has called us, delivered us, rescued us, freed us from the powers of sin, that we are no longer bound by sin to be slaves of sin, but rather to be slaves of righteousness, to be under a king, a holy and great king that has given us new life. And in this new life, what does it say? It says to guide our feet into the path of peace. That's we walk with him, it's without fear and holiness and righteousness to guide our path our feet in path of peace. Not a path of comfort, a path of security perhaps, not even a path of disaster, whatever that means for you, but a path of peace. That God's leading us in ways to guide our feet, walking with them, fulfilling what he has called in our lives. I think that is the th those are the three reminders as I look at this Advent season for us. Why is it important? We often forget, or I forget. And <clears throat> paid for our sins. But not just to do that, to give us life, but to give us life to live in him. That is the Advent season, that is the time of us to reflect and to ask, God, where are you leading me in the path of peace? We're gonna take communion. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up. But as we take communion, take this time. It's a perfect time of remembrance of who he is. Right? In Corinthians it says, <clears throat> they remind the people, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As we take that. And later on, as we take this cup, it says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me.
For whenever you eat of this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That taking this communion is proclaiming his death until he comes. Likewise, in Advent, we are in anticipation of him coming. What does that look like? In wisdom, in preparation, in joy and celebration. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you, Lord. I thank you that we have the freedom to come before you, Lord. That you have not come to have guilt that turns to shame, but rather guilt that sets us free. That you delivered us, that you rescued us from sin and darkness. That we are no longer slaves to sin. So we ask, we ask that you reveal yourself to us. Just the way that you have promised that you reveal yourself to us. That we know we can't conjure up or we can't force it. We can't, it's not up to our own powers, our will. But rather, we pray for you to reveal yourself. Reveal yourself in ways that we know, we see, we hear. But not just in a way that, Lord, just something that we experience and we check off, that was nice. But that it would enable us to serve you without fear in holiness and righteousness all the days of our lives. We pray for that, Lord. We pray that you take what is broken in us, that you would make it beautiful and purpose for your glory and your plan. So we thank you, Lord. As we take communion today, may we proclaim of your death and your resurrection that your words will never return empty. In Jesus' name. Amen.